Today's scripture reading will be from Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. You may be seated. Good morning. It's good to be together this morning. Appreciate this time that we're able to spend in worship together. Of course, we appreciate all the visitors who we have here with us, but also our members. This is a great church family to be a part of. Appreciate every time we're able to come together on a weekly basis to worship our God. He's worthy of our worship, and I hope that's something that we acknowledge this morning. I think it's Barry up there in the box. We have a missing clicker. Barry, so I'm just going to tell you when to advance the slides. That's okay. I'll just make sure you know. I got a thumbs up on that. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Romans, the eighth chapter. If you have your Bible, your copy of God's Word, and you'd like to follow along with me, we're going to be studying in Romans chapter 8, just one verse, the verse that Luke read for us, verse number 14. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 14. If we'll go on to the next slide, about a year ago, Leslie and I had the chance to go to Ruby Falls in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Has anybody ever been to Ruby Falls before? Just a few hands go up. It's really beautiful, really amazing place to go. I believe that it is the tallest underground waterfall that you can visit in the United States pretty amazing. You get in an elevator, you go about 260 feet down into a cave at the bottom of Lookout Mountain in Chattanooga, Tennessee. You walk through the cave for maybe 15 or 20 minutes to this waterfall where they have a light show. It's just a really neat experience. Leslie and I love seeing the waterfall. We love visiting Ruby Falls. One thing about it though is that our guide was not the best that we've ever had. Let me explain that to you just a little bit. Whenever you're walking through Ruby Falls, of course, you're not doing it alone. You have a group of about 20 or 30 people. You're being led by a guide. And so we went down in a group. We met our guide. He introduced himself. We started walking. It's probably about five minutes later that he stopped us and said, oh yeah, I almost forgot. Maybe we need to go over some rules about safety here. And so he went over three or four rules about safety as if it was just kind of an afterthought. Like he... I'm 260 feet below the surface. I think we probably need to go over safety. I would appreciate that a little bit. As we were going through the cave, he really didn't give us a lot of information on the cave or how it was founded, how it was made. He forgot the difference between stalactites and stalagmites. There were little like plastic pieces of uh, little plastic pieces hanging up with different information about the cave and and how it was formed and who founded it. He would stand right in front of it and read it word for word, and then he'd turn around and ask us if we had any questions. Wasn't a whole lot of elaboration going on. Probably my favorite thing that he did is there was another group coming through, so he made us get as far to the side as we possibly could. When the other group got by, before we started going again, he looked to the back of the line and said, how's my caboose doing? Talking about the person in the back of the line. Well, the family in the back of the line was of Asian descent. They didn't speak a word of English. So he's at the front of the line yelling time after time, how's my caboose doing? They didn't even know they were being spoken to. 
And so I think it was me and maybe a few others in the group were like, they're okay. They, they are doing fine. Let, let's just keep going. At the very end of the tour, he lined us up against a wall with our backs against the wall just to tell us that tips were appreciated. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if that was a very lucrative day for him. He, he got us into the cave and got us out of the cave. Really nice guy. He was really kind. Just wasn't the best guide that I've had in my life. We go to the next slide in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 14. I believe that we read about the greatest guide, the greatest leader that we could ever follow. What does Paul say there? For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. What's the difference between those who are children of God and those who are not? What is the distinguishing factor? What, what, what distinguishes those who are sons and daughters of the Heavenly Father and those who are not sons and daughters of the Heavenly Father? You find one idea right here in Romans chapter 8 and verse 14. All who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. This morning, would you claim to be a child of God? Would you claim to be a son? Would you claim to be a daughter of the Heavenly Father? Would you make a claim that you are a part of His spiritual family? If that's a claim that you make, if that's something you claim for yourself, then notice what Paul is asking of us here in Romans 8 and verse 14. Notice our responsibility. If we are sons of God, if we are daughters of God, then it is our responsibility to follow the leadership and to follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit in everything that we do. In everything that we are. When I interact with my spouse and I interact with my family, I want to follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Whenever I'm at work, whenever I'm working on my job, I want to follow the guidance or the leadership of the Holy Spirit. When I'm involved in hobbies that I enjoy, when I'm doing my schoolwork, I want to follow the leadership or the guidance of the Holy Spirit. When I'm active and engaged in serving other people, I want to follow the leadership, the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We don't walk alongside of the Holy Spirit as equals. We don't walk alongside of the Holy Spirit as partners. The Holy Spirit is the divine and sovereign God that we must submit ourselves to. In Romans 8 and verse 14, as we continue thinking about the Holy Spirit in this series of sermons, it's important for us to know it's our responsibility to follow His leadership. It's our responsibility to follow His guidance. And so let's spend just a little bit of time thinking about that over the next few minutes. On the next slide, I think the first idea that we need to understand, and maybe the groundwork that we need to lay, is being led by the Holy Spirit is a biblical idea. I believe that there are some in our fellowship that might be a little bit uncomfortable with that wording. They might be a little bit uncomfortable with the thought of being led or being guided by the Holy Spirit. On the next slide, there are those within our fellowship who are really comfortable with saying they're led by God. Like in Psalm 23, a psalm that I'm sure many of us know, maybe we even know it by heart. Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In verse 3, He leads me or He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. On the next slide, I believe that we're also comfortable with saying in John 10 and verse 27 that we follow Jesus' guidance. We follow Jesus' leadership. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. But then we go to the next slide. We're comfortable with being led by the Father. We're excited about the idea of being guided or led by His Son, Jesus Christ. 
But then we get a little bit uncomfortable. We get a little bit uneasy whenever we talk about being led by the Holy Spirit, following His guidance, and maybe rightfully so. Maybe this is an idea that's been abused, it has been, it has been abused, will continue to be abused by different individuals and different religious groups. You can take this idea to an extreme, but the way that the Scriptures present it, it's certainly a biblical idea that we should buy into as those who are sons and daughters of the Heavenly Father. Let's look at some scriptural support for that. On the next slide, we've been looking at Romans chapter 8 and verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. That's not the only place you find that idea though. If you go to the next slide, in Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 18, this is the context that distinguishes the works of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit. Notice Paul says if you're led by the Spirit, then you're not under the law. If you're being led and guided by the Holy Spirit, he says, then you're not being led or guided by the Old Testament law. The Mosaic law is the context that he's speaking to there. On the next slide, in Psalm 143 and verse number 10, notice David's prayer in that verse. In the last part, let your good spirit lead me on level ground. When was the last time that we prayed a prayer like that? When was the last time when you prayed that kind of prayer? I'm thinking about myself. When was the last time that I prayed that kind of prayer? God, please let your good spirit lead me, guide me on level ground. On the next slide, in Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 1, immediately after Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist, the Bible says that he was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. How was Jesus led into the wilderness? He was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. He did that following the guidance of the Spirit. On the next slide, a parallel account of that in Luke chapter 4, verses 1 and 2 says the same thing. That Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit, the Spirit that He's full of, a little bit earlier in the verse, in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil. You remember what happened to Jesus whenever He was immersed in the waters of the Jordan River? God spoke from the sky this is My beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. But also the Holy Spirit descended on Him in bodily form like a dove. Do you remember that detail? Immediately after that, immediately after the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus in bodily form like that of a dove, He is being led, He is being guided by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The same thing is true for us, isn't it? Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 is a verse that we've referenced a lot in this study because it's so important. It's so foundational to who we are as Christians. It's where Peter says, repent. Let every one of you be baptized, immersed in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Notice the promise. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Just like Jesus, whenever we are immersed into the waters of baptism, the Holy Spirit descends on us. The Holy Spirit begins to live in us. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Once we receive that gift, we then have the responsibility to follow His leadership. To follow His guidance in our lives on a daily basis. Going to the next slide. In John chapter 16 and verse number 13, this is a promise that Jesus makes specifically to His apostles on the night before His crucifixion. He says, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. We need to acknowledge that that's 
not a promise that Jesus is necessarily making to us. That's not a promise that Jesus is making to you or to me. This is the night before His crucifixion. He looks at His apostles and says, I'm going to go away, but when I go away, I'm going to send the Spirit of truth and He's going to guide you. He's going to lead you into all truth. Of course, we have the apostles' teachings, the apostles' preachings recorded for us in the Scriptures. This is not a promise made to us, but notice the function. Notice the purpose of the Holy Spirit here. He is guiding. He is involved in leading. And the apostles had the responsibility to follow that leadership. To follow that guidance. I believe we see the leadership of the Holy Spirit so vividly on the next slide. In Acts, the 16th chapter, verses 6-10. through This is Paul and his companions. They're on their second missionary journey. Notice that they were going to go into Asia to preach the Gospel. But what happened? The Holy Spirit forbid them to go into Asia to speak the Gospel. And so what they do? Well, verse number 7, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, didn't allow them to do that either. And so they went down to Troas in verse 8 on the next slide. Paul, the Apostle Paul, has a vision of a man, a Macedonian man appearing to him, oftentimes called the Macedonian call, where he's saying in verse number 9, come over to Macedonia and help us. It's based on that vision that Paul is able to say, we need to go to Macedonia. We need to go there to preach the Gospel. We need to go there to proclaim the good news. We don't know why the Holy Spirit stopped Paul from going to those different locations. The text doesn't tell us. We don't know how the Holy Spirit communicated that truth to the Apostle Paul. That you can't go here. You can't go here. Instead, you need to go here. But what we do know is that Paul and his companions placed their ministry under the guidance, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God. What about us? We don't know how the Holy Spirit works. I can't parse that out for you. I don't know why the Holy Spirit does what He does. Sometimes He's going to lead in one direction. Sometimes He's going to lead in another. Sometimes doors are going to open. Sometimes doors are going to close. And we can't explain exactly why that happens. But what we can do is what the Apostle Paul did. Placing our lives, our families, our ministries under the leadership and guidance of our divine leader. Our sovereign leader. The Holy Spirit of God. So going over to the next slide, I think we need to first see this really big idea when we look at the Scriptures as a whole. There are other passages that we could walk through, but it's this idea that being led by the Holy Spirit, it is a biblical idea. This is not a liberal idea. This is not a charismatic idea. This is an idea that is rooted firmly in the Scriptures. This isn't something that we should run away from. I would suggest that this is something that we should run towards. This isn't something that should make us uncomfortable or something that should make us uneasy. We should find great peace in this idea. We should find strength in this idea on the next slide that Paul gives us in Romans 8 and verse 14 that all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons and daughters of God. But then there's a burning question, isn't there? As you look at this slide and you think about this idea, do you have a question in your mind? Let's go over to the next slide. How can we know that we're being led by the Holy Spirit? Okay, I I can look at Romans 8 and verse 14 and I can think about this in my mind. All who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. I can understand that. But what does that look like practically? In this specific circumstance in my life, 
in this certain situation that I'm going through, in this choice that I have to make, in this trial or difficulty that I'm struggling with, how can we know that we're being led by the Holy Spirit? What I want us to do over the next few minutes as we get ready to close this lesson is to give you four questions. These are four questions that we can think through as we think through this overall question, how can we know that this is taking place in our lives? These might not be all the questions that we need to ask or consider or think about, but I think they are certainly a good start. It might not give an answer immediately, but it will give us guidelines that we need in order to accurately answer this question. How can I know that I'm being led by the Holy Spirit instead of being led by myself? My own desires. The desires of somebody else. The values of the culture that we're living in right now. Let's think about these questions together. On the next slide, question number one, is the direction biblical? If I think that I'm being led in a certain position, and I'm evaluating whether that's the Holy Spirit or not, I always need to start by asking myself the question, is this direction biblical? Does it stand in line with the teachings of Scripture? If we'll go to the next slide, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, the Bible says that all Scripture is breathed out by God. Some translations say it's given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. The Holy Spirit will never lead us or guide us in a direction that is in contradiction with what Scripture plainly teaches. It doesn't matter what kind of feelings a person might have or emotions a person might have. It doesn't matter what kind of experiences a person might claim to have. Whether dreams or visions or a whisper in the ear. If those things stand in contradiction with what we have in the Scriptures, then we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are not being led by the Holy Spirit. That guidance, that direction, that leadership must be coming from somewhere else because the Holy Spirit will never contradict Himself. And so start by asking this question, is the direction biblical? I feel like I'm being guided or led in this direction. Does it stand in line with the teachings of Scripture? That's question number one. Question number two is on the next slide. Is the direction Christ-like? If I'm being led in a direction, I need to ask myself, does this help me to become more like Jesus? If we'll advance one more time, in Ephesians 4 and verse 15, we find the goal that we should be trying to attain every single day of our lives. Paul says that speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head. Who's that? Into Christ. What's Paul saying there? He's saying in everything that you do, in every part of your life, in every part of who you are, you should be trying to become more like Jesus. To grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ. So if I feel like I'm being led or guided in a certain direction, I need to ask the question, is this direction Christ-like? Is this going to help me to become more like Jesus? If I feel like I'm being led or guided in a direction and it doesn't help me to become more like Christ, then it's not the Holy Spirit who's leading me. If I'm going in a direction and it's not helping me to share in the heart of Jesus, the person of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the truth of Jesus, then I can be confident that my life is not being placed under the direction, guidance, or leadership of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will never lead us away from Christ. He will only lead us closer to Christ. That's question number two. 
Question number three, is the direction loving? Is the direction filled with love? If we'll advance one more time, in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8, John, the apostle of love, as he is oftentimes called, says anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. That's a statement about God's character. That's a statement about God's personality. God is love. And so if we're not loving, if we're not loving God, if we're not loving other people, he says we don't really know God because that's who God is. That's what God is all about. God is love. What is love? There's songs that have that title. Our culture would answer that question in a lot of different ways. But if we go to the next slide in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4-7, through Paul gives a pretty amazing description of love, doesn't he? He says that love is patient and kind. Love doesn't envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. If it seems I'm being guided or led in a certain direction and it stands in contradiction with any of those descriptors or adjectives that you see up on the screen, then it can't be the Holy Spirit who's leading me. The Holy Spirit is only going to lead me in a direction of love. Let me give you some concrete examples. The Holy Spirit is never going to guide us in a direction where we have short fuses. Where we blow up on people as soon as something happens. The Holy Spirit is never going to lead us in a direction where it's all about ourselves. Where we're arrogant and we're exalting ourselves over other people. The Holy Spirit's never going to lead us down a path or in a direction that rejoices at wrongdoing. The Holy Spirit will never guide a person to accept sin in your own life or in somebody else's life. Thinking about our culture, our culture says that love equals acceptance. If you love me, then you have to accept everything about me. Paul here teaches the exact opposite of that. That actually the loving thing to do is to not rejoice in wrongdoing, but to rejoice with the truth. The Holy Spirit's never going to lead us or guide us in a direction that, that gives up on somebody. Because love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. There's a lot more that we could say there, but do you understand the point? If I feel like I'm being guided or led in a certain direction, and, and that direction is not filled with love the way that Scripture talks about it, then it can't be the Holy Spirit who's leading me. He's only going to lead me down paths that are loving. And then on the next slide, the fourth and final question, is this direction full of opportunities for service? The simple reality of the matter is that some people believe they're being led by the Holy Spirit of God, but they're actually only being led by themselves. They make the decision they already want to make. They do the thing that they already want to do. They make the decision that's going to benefit them the most and then accredit that to the guidance and leadership of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not saying that we can't be benefited in any way by the choices that we make or the directions that we go in, but we have to think about this question. If I'm going in this direction, is it going to primarily be about me serving myself? Or is it going to primarily be about me having more opportunities to serve other people? Isn't that what Jesus was all about? If we advance it just one more time in Mark chapter 10 and verse 45, you know this verse, that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. What about us? If I'm being led or guided in this certain direction, 
is it going to result in me being served? Or is it going to result in me serving others? That's a question to consider. On the next slide, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. This path that I'm going down, this direction that I'm going, what kind of opportunities am I going to have to do good? What kind of opportunities am I going to be supplied with to serve other people, to meet their needs, to share the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ with them? That is the greatest good that a person could ever do is sharing the life transformative message of the gospel with the person who doesn't know it. So if I'm going in this direction, what kind of opportunities are going to present themselves? Is it primarily about me? Or am I also thinking about my service to others? Is the direction full of opportunities for service? On the next slide, Romans 8 and verse 14. It's not a very long verse. I'm pretty sure Luke Kirschbaum appreciated that in our Scripture reading. But it has a lot of power. It has a lot of meaning. It has a lot of application for our daily lives, doesn't it? All who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. If we claim to be sons and daughters of the Heavenly Father, if we claim to be a part of His family, then it's our responsibility to follow the leadership and the guidance of the Holy Spirit in every single thing that we do. He's the greatest guide. He is the greatest leader that we could ever possibly follow. But then we run into the question, we mentioned it a few minutes ago, the question that's on the next slide, how can we know? How can we, in this specific circumstance or this certain situation, how can we know that we're being led by the Holy Spirit? On the next slide, we have those four questions that might be helpful. Four questions that are going to lay down some guidelines that we need in order to follow the leadership and guidance of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Number one, is the direction biblical? Number two, is the direction Christ-like? Number three, is the direction loving? Number four, is the direction full of opportunities for service? All who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. In order to be led by the Spirit of God, in Romans 8 and verse 14, you have to be a son of God. You have to be a daughter of God. And so we like to present that invitation. We like to present that opportunity in front of you this morning. If you've never made commitment to Jesus, if you've never repented and been baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, as we quoted from Acts 2.38 just a few moments ago, we'd love to help you with that decision. This morning, the Holy Spirit can live within you. This morning, the Holy Spirit can dwell within you if you've never made that decision, if that's not a blessing that you're partaking in right now. Or maybe as a Christian, you have the Spirit living within you, but you're thinking to yourself, I'm not really following the Spirit's guidance. I'm not following His leadership in my life on a daily basis. We'd love to help you with that. We're here to pray for you. We're here to encourage you. We're here to support you in any way that we can. Follow the Spirit's guidance. Follow the Spirit's leadership. And if we can help you to do that now, we'd love to. Just come forward as together we stand and sing.